0: Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is May 25th, 2022. We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer and then we'll start. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We are grateful for life, health, and strength. And and uh, you brought us together. For, we just are ready, Father, for this fellowship and... Uh, We're anxious to look at your word. So we pray for wisdom as we look at the verses before us. Help us to come to know more about what's going on in the text so that we can understand how this affects us, how we should understand these things. So, Father, as we pray, we we, we want to pray for those who are sick among us Uh, In particular, we're praying for um, Gretel this evening, who uh, we learned has uh, some issues that we definitely want to keep her in prayer. Uh, We pray for her, uh, her healing. We pray for her family, Dwight, uh, all that this will affect. And um, not only for healing, but all that has to happen that is involved in this. We thank you for her, Father, and and her life, and we pray uh, that you will continue to bless her, just as she has said. Also, Father, we pray for traveling mercies for those of, of us who are on the road. There are those who are traveling even as we speak. We pray for safety and we pray that we will be the kind of worshipers that you uh, seek, those who worship in spirit and in truth. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so our normal course of study, as you know, is in Romans chapter 11. And Romans 11, uh, we are in verse 7. So verse seven says, "What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened." So we want to talk about that. We were in the middle of that verse, so we we felt like we needed to divide it in half, and that's how we we managed it. Uh, We we divided that verse right in in half so that's where we are and i'm looking forward to seeing how uh, we will attack the second half of this verse so we do need some review and just remember uh, some q a will be uh, at the end we'll reserve some time for q a as well so romans 11 7 so we covered this first phrase, what then, what the people of Israel sought so earnestly, I'll quickly go over that. Uh, we won't spend too much time because we got a lot more to cover. Uh, they wanted it badly. They craved it. What is it? And I'm going to point B. What did they want? Uh, one, they loved their favored nation status before God. They knew that God had blessed them Generously. Uh, profusely, we could even say, by making a nation, he gave them all the assets and equipped them with everything they needed to be a nation. And my textual reference for this is the whole Old Testament. All you got to do is go look at the Old Testament. If you don't already know, there's plenty there to talk about how Israel was blessed. Two, they misunderstood that blessing by thinking they were special as illustrated by their attitude of exclusive separatism from other nations. And I gave some examples with Jonah, the prophet Jonah, and this how they treated the Samaritans. Uh, point three, Israel's call from eternity past, which they were foreknown, they were elect, they were predestined, did not mean they were saved now this is a huge point and we already know we referenced romans uh, 10 1 through 4 where it talks about israel they're god's chosen people all right however they're lost as paul says Uh, he's not talking about every single person in israel that was ever of jewish heritage is lost that is not what he's talking about but he's the majority of them and the leadership of israel in particular, did not embrace their Messiah when he came. So He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him. Point four. They put the cart before the horse. The regenerate status they needed to fulfill their call was assumed to be accomplished by their reception and adherence to the law. We covered the scriptures on this. We We saw how Paul countered their thinking by using Scripture. He literally talked about how they lusted after righteousness, uh, but the, they pursued it, not by faith, but by means of, of the law. And they turned that into a system of salvation and acceptance with God, So, which was all wrong. And, and so that's what they craved. They craved... That's not only the favored nation status, but they craved to be accepted by God and the way that they devolved to was for them to focus their attentions on the Mosaic Law and not faith, not the Messiah, not the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So so that's what they wanted. What did they get? What did they not get? They assumed they were justified by the law, and as we know, Gentiles didn't have the law. So if God didn't give Gentiles the law, could Gentiles even be saved? No, in their opinion, in their, their way of thinking. But as we already saw, they didn't get that justification. Romans 3 is heavy on that point, that they were under sin just like everybody else. They, they had to go through the same door, and that door was Christ, the cross, Without coming to the cross of Christ, there would be no salvation—not for them, not for Gentiles, not for anybody, for that matter. So um, they didn't get that justification that they so uh, earnestly craved. They did not get it. Uh, point two: they did not—they did not satisfy their calling. Right? What was, it wasn't just about salvation for them, which was, would, have, would have helped greatly, but after salvation, God had plans for the nation, that they would um, uh, be the priest nation to the world, that they, God would, would lift them up and use them as a model nation for other nations to understand who he was and what his standards were how they could be saved, and so forth. They were to be a light to the nations, and they failed at this. Uh, So, point three, there was therefore frequent discipline in their history. Even in the time of Christ, they were a nation under Roman control, so they were a sub-nation, you could say. They weren't completely governed by their own Uh, They were governed by Roman rule as well. Point four, areas they needed, uh, where they did succeed, we did talk about, uh, yeah, they didn't completely fail. And and listen, we talk about failure, but we know if God called them, God had a purpose for them, he will fulfill that purpose. There's no doubt about it. But how, as we look at Israel and how they fared so far, we can talk about how they did. We can we can use the Old Testament to kind of judge whether or not they did or did not succeed. Well, we already talked about the areas where they failed miserably. But now, they, yeah, there were some areas they succeeded. Uh, Christ was born from the tribe of Judah. And this is Revelation 12, 1 through 5. I have to See, I didn't put Revelation in the notes, but you do it. Make sure you... Correct your notes there. That's Revelation 12, 1 through 5. But it talks about Israel, you know, and giving birth to Christ and Christ being caught up to glory and so forth. And they will succeed in the tribulation since we're talking about Revelation, especially 12. But at the end, it talks about those who keep the commands of God, the law, and have the testimony of Jesus so they will eventually succeed they will be that nation although they'll be hated by the world (laughs) still they will stand for God they will be bold and courageous and they will stand for God and uh, they will succeed and even in our chapter Romans 11 talks about all Israel then will be saved and uh, so there's no doubt that Israel will succeed Uh, but not in this dispensation, right? They are put on hold. Five, or uh, six, actually. They were caretakers of the Old Testament Scripture, and that's Romans 3, 1 and 2, and that's absolutely so. They were caretakers of the very Word of God. And we should recognize them for what they have done, and it is an honor to have uh, that responsibility. And I would say they managed it well. The Old, the Old Testament we have today is uh, just as God wanted to preserve it to us, and he, the, who He used to do it in the world, who's, the feet, the boots on the ground, was the Jews, right? That's for sure. They were caretakers of the Old Testament scripture, for sure. So that is a success. We still have we have the Word of God today. It is not corrupted. It is not uh, somehow changed or deficient in any way. It is, in fact, the Word of God. So that's a, that's a win. So point. So this is where we left off. So we'll continue with point D and E, and then we'll head into three. <clears throat> so point D is we are dealing with the question. Because Israel complained to God about their being chosen. Now, the reason why I keep checking you on these types of points to make is because this is very important. Right? Why are we saying these things? Why are we talking like we are talking? We're trying to make sure we, we have the, <laughs> the context integrated as we are looking at the text in front of us. right? The text in front of us is part of a broader context. If we don't understand what the point is. What Paul is trying to tell us. And why. We're certainly not going to understand what he's saying. So it is, it is an important point. That we keep integrating. Making sure. That if he changes the subject. Okay that's fine if he wants to do that. But at least we're going to recognize what that is. If he shifts, okay, wants to tell us something else about what he's been talking about, he can do that. Once he has us uh, right where he wants us so that we understand the points that he wants to make. So, uh, this is not us reading it. And, you know, I think a lot of times, I just have to stop and say this, people, and a lot of Christians, have this Eastern philosophy mentality when it comes to looking at the scriptures, right? They, Eastern philosophy that I'm referring to is, oh, the scripture is very fluid. You, you know, one person can get one thing from it and that's good for them in their life, but then the same scripture, another person gets another thing from it and it's good for them in their life. So for them, the scripture is really not contextual, it is more uh, philosophical. But that's not true. That's not how we got the Word of God in the first place. So we got to make sure that we understand that the Word is in context. It is not something that, is, that we can take and say, well, it means that to you, and that's true for you, but it means something else to me, and that's true for me. It doesn't... We do not want to look at the Word of God in the same way Eastern philosophy looks at the writings that they have. We we would not want to do that. And I... People are guilty of that. That's why so many verses are taken out of context. Uh, People are teaching, but they're teaching what they want to teach based on their particular proclivities. And yet... That's That may not be what the, the context the broader context. they're just using the words, they like the words. We have to make sure we steer clear of that. That is dangerous ground. So that's we just we don't make making sure we understand why Paul is talking about all this because Israel complained. That's the mo- that's a major point to consider. Israel objected to the church's calling. And for the first century, it was tough with the Jews. I mean, they wanted to take us back to the Mosaic law. They did not want to embrace this new age. They refused. And so this whole tug of war uh, that did actually go on, even inside the church, outside and inside the church, is significant for us to know And then Paul is making sure we have the full understanding of why Israel has been set aside and God is now dealing with the church. So we didn't just come up with dispensations. This is not something that, uh, you know, is devised by us. Dispensations is in the word of God. And now what we're doing is understanding them. That's how it works. So, So that's... That's the point to make. Point E, they failed on two fronts. And then we're going back to the thought of Israel. They failed. And we already saw that. They refused to believe in the Messiah to come. They had already done this. Even before Christ showed up, they had already uh, developed a pattern to where they refused to uh, have a spiritual relationship with Christ as he was revealed to them in their, whatever time it was. And they, instead, for their spiritual life, they replaced faith with the law. They said, well, if you have the law and you, try, and you keep the law, they recognized they weren't perfect, but they did their very best, and they thought God would have to respect them for their efforts, and they were wrong. They, I like Romans 3, 9. What should we say then? Are we Jews any better? Nope. Uh, it says we're Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. There is no exceptions. God did not give Israel a pass because they got the law and they were a nation and all that. Nope. They, was, they had to believe in Christ and before they could even begin to think about what their call was or what God wanted them to do after salvation. So, again, the church, the church has to be careful. I mean, we're reading all of these things and the apostle uh, is laying them out in great detail. You could, your, your eyes could glaze over and you could say, why are we going so much and de- dealing so much with Israel? But When I look around the world today, what I see is the church doing the same thing Israel did so little emphasis on salvation by grace so little emphasis that is free it's a gift and and we don't require people to put some sort of works up or repentance of sin and or, or all those things so little is talked about that when what are they trying to emphasize to the world the Christian way of life our morality And it's not even, I don't even think they have that right. Because you cannot fulfill the plan of God for your life until you're saved. Until you have received the salvation that is by grace. I don't know what salvation they're talking about, but it's not permanent. It's not, I mean, there's all debates and and people are concerned. So they feel like they got to do something. You know, it's like if you're drowning in in the ocean and a boat comes out and 50 yards away and you're drowning and the boat says okay i came all the way this far now you just have to swim the last 50 yards and let me know you really want to be saved the person's lost drowning can't swim anymore and but that is what they're saying god requires you got to do something Salvation can't be free. So hence, what do they do? They make salvation out to be the work of a lifetime. You never really know. At the end, God will let you know, did you get saved? So think about it. If you're spending your whole lifetime trying to get saved, if that's your goal for life, salvation, then how, then, are you ever going to get to the living the life of of our new calling in Christ. You never get to it because you're always running after salvation. How can you ever get to what is, what, what does God require of us? It's the same thing Israel. How could they ever get to being that nation if they refused to put their trust in the Messiah to come by faith? And then that's what they were to go teach the nations. They ref- How are they ever going to fulfill that? It, it's, it's just a... It's like a hamster on a wheel. You never get anywhere. You're running, running, running for something that's free. That's the only way you can receive it. Anyhow, this is a very important point to make. Um, where they failed, and therefore they were not able to fulfill their calling. This is the end of point appointee. They, they couldn't do it because... Only someone who is regenerate could fulfill the call of God. You you have to be born again, just like Jesus told Nicodemus. It's important. If you miss this point, if you, hope, hopefully you're not, I know nobody here is, but if you're running around telling people more so about the standard of life that we supposedly have as Christians, and that's your gospel, you you are not someone who is preaching the gospel you are someone who's teaching the false gospel and salvation's by grace it will never change it can never change and if you're teaching it you're just wrong we have already covered and if it's by grace then it is no longer by works if it were grace would no longer be grace so it will never change, so we're moving into point number three now. The elect among them did, right? So let's just read the whole thing in context. So what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain the elect among them did, but the others, well, they were hardened. So we'll just like to talk about some points around this phrase and see if we can come to an understanding. So the first thought, who are these elect among them? Right? Who are they? Because they, they did obtain it, but first, before we talk about what it is they obtained and all that, we need to say, who are they? And the answer is they are Jews who were originally called in Israel and now believed in Christ in this age. A good example of that is the Apostle Paul. He says in the very first verse, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite, myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. He's saying, yeah, I was called as a Jew. I was called as Israel. There's no doubt about it. He's even given his lineage. Uh, So did God reject his people? Absolutely not. So Paul is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jewish person, and certainly, I, I'm justified. I, I have salvation, and righteousness, and everything God has for me. He, he hasn't rejected me; he has embraced me. <laughs> Just the opposite, in fact. So, so the elect that are referred to here are those Jews who. Were called in Israel, but now they have a calling in Christ. Now, just imagine, from eternity past, God called them to be in Israel, and then He also called them to be in the church. Now we know the church is made up of Jews and Gentiles, right? That's the the material, the the physical material of where culture and people. Who make up those in the church? Right? There's no angels in the church. It's just uh, human beings. And of the the categories of human beings, there's Jews and Gentiles. That doesn't really matter in terms of salvation, and it doesn't matter in terms of their calling. Because once you're in Christ, once you're saved, well, you got to be saved the same way as anybody else. It doesn't if you're a Gentile, if you're a Jew, doesn't matter. You got to come through the cross, as we already mentioned. But once you're through the door and you're in this age, this age supersedes all callings. Right? Israel right now is not operational. We're going to read more about Israel in the next couple verses, next few verses. That is certainly telling us uh, that they are not God's people in this age. Who is the church? So now, people who were in Israel, called in Israel, were also chosen to be in Christ, which is in this age. They received the baptism of the Spirit. But they just happened to live at that particular time, just like the Apostle Paul, where, in the first century, Christ came, he preached, uh, did all the signs and wonders, and he, he, he demonstrated that he was the Messiah. They believed. We could also say Peter, James, all the disciples who became apostles were part of that because they were all Jewish. So, but once they got into the church, what's their calling? Their Jewishness does not matter. In fact, they were Israel, called in Israel, is superseded by their calling in the church. So, that's a, an important point for us to understand. When he's talking about the elect, among them did. Remember, he talked about all the things that uh, they didn't get, they sought so earnestly after, and indeed didn't get. Well, the elect among them did. If God could have said, No Israelite is going to be saved, well, he didn't, that would be ridiculous. But he didn't say that. He allowed them to be saved and to have a new calling. And if you look at the Apostle Paul, he saved, and he was a Pharisee in Israel. But he does not talk about uh, anything about the Mosaic Law. All you got to do is read all the 20s, uh, the 13 books that he has. Not 20 something. 13 books Paul wrote. He says nothing about we should keep the Mosaic Law. In fact, he tells us that we're not under the law. He calls it the law ministry of death, ministry of condemnation. We have something far better. What we have, uh, if we were to compare it with what they had is not even to be compared because what they had is nothing compared to what? The surpassing grace that God has given us. There's absolutely no comparison. So the calling we have in the church supersedes any calling that may have held previously. That is to say, yeah, they were Jews, but they survived to receive the baptism of the Spirit. They were believing Jews. And now, yeah, they're in Christ. That's who Paul is talking about, the elect among them. That's who we're we're referring to. So, yeah, some didn't. A lot of them refused to believe. But the ones who did, well, they got all the things that Israel so earnestly sought after. They got it. That's amazing to think that the very thing they wanted is available to them. It's right there in front of them and they still refuse to reach out their hand and take it. The only thing we can do with salvation is receive it. We cannot, there's no works, there's no repentance, there's no law that we have to keep, no obedience to the law. It's free. Literally, you don't have to do anything. Let's just say it. There's nothing that you have to do. Before, during, or after salvation in order to be saved eternally. It is a one-time thing, just like birth is. So that's the point to be made in uh, who is the elect, who are those who he's talking about. Point B, you could say uh, they had two calls in their lives, Israel and the church, and that's true. Paul was a Pharisee. Now he was an unbelieving Jew as well, but he still was part of Israel. And we can't say, "Oh, he wasn't a believer, so he he wasn't really Israel." No, he was. His heritage came from, and he told you. He says, "I'm from. I'm an Israelite myself, a, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin." He is aware fully. You're not taking anything away from them. In Israel, you could be a believer or an unbeliever. However, not to say you could be. I mean, God does not want you to be an unbeliever in any sense of the word. He wants you to trust in the provision that he has for you. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, but yet, some did and some did not. That's the result. I mean that tells me it's optional it's volitional so but Paul did not believe in Christ in fact he persecuted those who did but yet he was Israel and so he was called as Israel and there's there's another if you want to go back to Philippians and nobody disputes what Paul's culture was nobody does Philippians chapter three details it if you, just in case you will are not sure. But now that's superseded by what has happened. Yes, they now have two calls from eternity past. God called them uh, to be part of the nation Israel. And now that is superseded by the work of Christ and the new dispensation dawning at Pentecost. So that's point B. Point C. So they are racially Jews. In other words, they came from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now they are in Christ. And that's 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if any any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have gone. New things have come. So in Christ we know there is no Jew. There is no gentile. We're all all of us have are baptized into Christ upon his death, burial, and resurrection. So not when he was alive, it is out of this world. So when Christ died, he was separated from this world. We don't identify with Christ in his birth. We don't identify with Christ when he uh, was a, a young lad going into the temple as a Jew, doing all the things Jewish boys did. We don't identify with Christ in any of that. We identify with him when he left here. So it is not that when we are in Christ now that we are somehow Jewish. And you can read that in Romans 6, 2, and 3. We were identified with Christ in his death. And we were buried. And just like Christ, we were raised and seated with him in the heavenly realm. So this is why, when we talk about where there's no Jew or no Gentile, not you, you, whatever those designations were, that's not true of you anymore. The church supersedes that. It's not just talking about Jewish. We're talking about Gentiles too. Whatever you were in your Gentile nature, or culture rather, whatever culture you grew up with and all of the things that are associated with it have been superseded. By the new call that is in Christ, so that's who we are now. I don't care what what your you could say, oh, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Doesn't matter if it was Abraham's brother or, or not even associated with Abraham. And you're you're here and you're in Christ. None of those things have any distinction in your life. Who are you now? You are in Christ. All those old things have gone, and new things now have taken their place. So that's important to know. I think um, that's Second Corinthians five seventeen, Galatians three twenty eight. There's another verse. Yeah, there's there's more. There's Colossians talks about it. There's it just tells us that we're no longer what we were, but now we are something other. So that, uh, point D, let's keep moving. What did they obtain? Okay. So <laughs> the elect among them did, we already said what happened there. So, but what did they obtain? What was it? Because they got it. It says they did. Uh, so point D, let's just, just, let's talk about it. So we, they obtained salvation, which was the root cause of Israel's failure, right? That's, we just have to say that the reason they didn't, they couldn't execute the plan that God had for them, as far as the priest nation, because they weren't, they weren't regenerate, they weren't saved. They could not. They didn't have the power of God to execute uh, something that God had ordained for them. So that's the root cause of their failure. Well, these elect, well, they did get it. They got justified freely. By the grace by the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's Romans three, twenty two to twenty four. You should that's that's where you can find the, the language. It says it doesn't even matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. Because remember, all are under sin. So the Jews didn't have any advantage. So they have to come through the same door. Everyone in the world in Adam had to come through. So they obtained salvation, which was the root cause of Israel's failure. And now, and now, they have a new calling. They are in the church. So the fact that they wanted to be the special favorite of God, to be able to to be servants of God and all that, we got a new calling now, and that is the church. And God saw this all from eternity past, where he chose them in him before the creation of the world. He saw all this for them. So it's not a surprise. Oh, you know, you, 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 you believe, okay, you know what I'm going to do? You were Jewish. So I'm going to put you in. God didn't have to do that. He already saw this. This was part of the plan. Paul understood that when he wrote Ephesians 1 4, when he said he chose us in him. And it says that in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons according to the riches of his grace and all of that. He, all, of, all of it was planned so that Paul would be an apostle in the church. And so it is with us, and so it is with any Jew who believed in Christ and, and is saved in this particular age where the baptism of the Spirit is being executed. So, So, I don't know what happened to point E. I think we're going to have to scratch point. It says even though they were Israel, I don't know what happened there. No worries. We're going to point F. Maybe my notes got truncated or something. I don't know. So uh, let me just make sure. Something did not happen weird to my notes here. Stand by just briefly. just want to look at something. Uh, no, I think... Somehow that was the way it was, and I don't know why. Uh, I could come up with a point, but I will spare you. (laughs) So point F. The others were hardened, okay? So now, um, they were hardened. Who are the others? The others are those who did not believe in the Messiah to come. They were hardened. We're going to talk about what it meant to be hardened, but it's just like what we read about Pharaoh. So uh, the more God showed mercy to them, the more resistant they became. And Pharaoh, at first, he was he let the, he was like, okay, I'll let them go, but then he thought about it, and he says, no, I, I'm not letting those slaves go. That's my those are my resources. I'm not letting them go, <laughs> and he refused, and. The more God continued to come back to him and say, let my people go, the more resistant and hardened heart, hardness of heart Pharaoh developed. Same thing with these Jews. And this is a good quote to think about what Stephen said in the introduction. He said, you stiff-necked people. And here it is, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised notice still they were and it hasn't gotten any better you are just like your ancestors you always resist the holy spirit so you see where hardness of heart comes from it comes from the resistance of the holy spirit and uh, the more god showed them showed mercy to them the more resistant they became so eventually, grace irritated them. Talk, talk The fact that they were keeping the law and uh, doing their best to be obedient and Pharisees and all this work that they were doing. And for you to come and tell them that none of that matters. It's just grace. All you got to do is believe. All the law keeping. None of that is going to cause you any credit to God. It is Insulting to religious people when you talk like that. It's like people who believe in tithing. They think, like, "Well, I'm giving my money, and I'm I'm getting blessings. I gave ten percent. God, you're gonna bless me abundantly." So, you know, they've been doing this, and then all of a sudden you come along and you tell them, "Listen, you can't bribe God with your money. You can't get blessings from God just because you paid him." You know, it doesn't work that way. Oh, they're incensed. They're like, wait a minute. You're telling me I've been given all this money, and you're saying, I reject that. And if you keep talking to them, they can get very agitated. Same thing with religious people when it comes to grace. They can get very agitated. Why? Because they're working real hard for their salvation. And they want to be rewarded with salvation. And then salvation's a gift. God says, I'm not giving it to anybody who's working for cuz i only can give salvation by grace it's a matter of righteousness for me so religious people are irked they're bugged when you talk about grace and free because why they're working hard and you're telling them that all their working is in vain it's for no good reason. It's for good, no good purpose. And they resist that. They resist that. And they resist it. And their hearts eventually can become hardened to grace. What is hardened? Let's go to point G. Hardened, right? And paro is the Greek word. It means a kind of stone. <laughs> yeah. To petrify. That is... Uh, figuratively, to injurate, that's to harden, uh, to render stupid or callous. Wow, render stupid. Unbelievable, strong for you to say that. <laughs> Blind, in other words, you can't even see anymore. It, you've gotten to the place where you can't see. Or harden, that's one of the ways it is translated. Here, NIV translated it, harden. I'm glad he he didn't say stupid. But anyway, that could really be rough. But we if that's the meaning of the word, I need to just say it what it is. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's callous, right? It's that's what happens to a person when they hear grace. They their eyes glaze over actually they're not their eyes, their heart glazes over, petrifies, and they cannot receive grace because of what we just said. They they're working hard. You know, It's like somebody running down the road and you know, running hard and then you run up next to them and you tell them, hey, listen, you're going the wrong way. And they're running and running and they don't want to turn around because that would be to say they're wrong. They'd have to go all the way back and start all over again the right way. All the running they did was for nothing. For no good purpose. So... Their hearts become hardened. So they weren't hardened by God. I mean, just like Pharaoh's heart was not hardened by God. They're hardened because they refused to believe in the Messiah to come. They replaced that with the law. So the law made them proud. made them arrogant. And the more they focused their attention on the law, the more they walked away from grace. That's how it was. Point H, point H. This verse says it all. Okay. By, uh, but come, here it is, and this is um, Romans 10, 21, which we already covered, but it says it. Okay. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands To a disobedient and obstinate people. That's what hardened looks like. A disobedient and obstinate people. They refuse to accept the grace of God. Paul said in the beginning of Romans 10, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. They were lost. And they refused to submit to God's righteousness by faith. And what happened as a result of their refusal? A continued refusal brings about this condition of hardness of heart. Eventually, the Holy Spirit resisted, uh, becomes easier and easier to resist the Holy Spirit's promptings to grace. Eventually, they cannot even, they can barely hear the Holy Spirit tugging at their hearts. No humility. It is, it is the reverse of humility. Humility says, I'm listening to God. Hardened, a hardened heart says, I'm refusing to listen to God. So, stubborn, obstinate, as, as Stephen says, stiff-necked, uncircumcised in hearts and ears. They were circumcised physically, but they refused to submit to the circumcision of the heart. Salvation. In that sense. So, in this case, that's point H, they refused. Uh, and this is what happens when you give the gospel to somebody and they raise up in the opposition. They're mad. Uh, that wasn't the first time they heard it. And it wasn't the first time they rejected it. So, it's alright. We just be faithful, just like the sower going out to sow, we throw the seeds. Some are going to fall on this type of soil, Some's going to fall on other types of soil. We can't allow that to deter us when it comes to what our objective is, to go out and sow seeds. Okay, so point I, these are in our notes, we're almost there. These are the same ones who opposed the Apostle Paul and God. So I just want to read a couple. This is Acts chapter 23. Let's go to Acts chapter 23. Let's find this verse. And we're going to read verses 7 to 22. So verse 7, when, uh, when he said this... Uh, They were talking about the resurrection from the dead, that is. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar. And some of the teachers of the law who were... Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously we find nothing wrong with this man they said what if a, if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him they're talking about the apostle paul by the way the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid paul would be torn to pieces by them he ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks following night notice The Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify in Rome. You must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you have uh, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before uh, you and on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. So in other words, this plot, these men, not only was it horrible to think about what they were going to do, but they involved the Pharisees and and the sadducees in on on this conspiracy so uh 16 but when the son of paul's sister heard of this plot he went to the barracks and told uh, paul then paul called one of the centurions and said take this young man to the commander he has something to tell him so he took him to the commander Right? So he took him to the commander, and the, the centurion said, "Paul, the prisoner sent from me uh, and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. Well, we're getting to this point." And um, anyway, the the whole thing was thwarted because uh, this person was able to tell him, and so they got Paul out with this huge escort of people. Uh, so But my point in saying this is notice the opposition to Paul. It's tremendous when you look at this. This is, I mean, I can't even imagine how this whole thing could have worked itself out. I mean, they wanted Paul dead because he was a Pharisee, but now he's in the church. They saw him as a traitor, and they just felt like, listen... He's got to die. So we're talking about stiff-necked, hard-hearted, right? There's another verse. Oh, well, we'll get to it later. Uh, but, in, but in Romans 11:28 28 and 29, we saw that they are enemies of the church. right? And <laughs> that's easy for me to say now because you saw the behavior that they had towards Paul. They were going to ambush him and then they were going to kill him. Like, we just hate him so bad. It doesn't matter what the Romans said. We're going to we're going to have these men ambush Paul. We're going to lie. Have him brought on a pretext of some other reason. And then once he's on the, in route, we're going to ambush him and kill him. That's their plan. And this is hatred. But not only for Paul, but for God. As you saw, God was the one directing Paul, telling Paul, listen, Paul, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, I got you covered. Everything's going to work out. And Paul was an obedient servant in this area. So this is, if you go to Romans 11, it tells you, verses, uh, what is it, uh, 28 and 29. So it says, as far as the gospel is concerned, they, and we're talking about Israel, but not just The believing Israel, but unbelieving Israel, are enemies for your sake. Notice, they're enemies. Here they were the people of God. They were called, predestined, elected, chosen, all that stuff. And then, here they are enemies. This is a huge dichotomy here. But as far as the election is concerned, they are loved on the account of, on the account of the patriarchs. So when we think about that dichotomy, enemies, but then they're still in the plan of God. That's what it means by they are loved, that they're still chosen, they're still called, they're still elected, and they still have a, a role in the plan of God. But right now, they're enemies. And he says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. So this is to say, look, just like Stephen said, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in hearts and in ears. Or we could also say it another way. Concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. That's serious. So um, we're moving on. The change of a new dispensation would bring about Bring about, about great resistance from the religious world, and it was even hard for believing Jews as well. This is just know. This is the world the church uh, grew up in, as in its infancy. So for believing Jews, it was even tough for them. Acts fifteen one through one through five. Where I'm going to read it. We have read it many times before, so sometimes it's good to just put our eyes on it again. Acts 15, certain people came down from Judea, Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. And notice, this is, they were teaching. And this is what they said, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this brought pro brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some of the other believers, to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question. It's what we call the Jerusalem Council. The church sent them on their way, and they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, and they told how the Gentiles had been converted. The news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done, done among them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisee, notice they were the believers, right they belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the Mosaic law. So there you have it. I mean, Even, sharp, this is within the church. So we already know what happened outside the church. We saw uh, how their hatred had manifested. And here we're seeing inside the church uh, that they were not, they were believers. They were not going for the church to be part of this new dispensation. They were refusing that. They said, "No, we're not. No new dispensation has dawned. There's no mystery. We're, if, if they're going to be saved, they're going to go back and they're going to have to be under the Mosaic law, keep the law, and even had salvation corrupted by trying to mix the two dispensations together. Hmm. Sounds very familiar. So, and then the, the, we'll close this thought with John 16." Verses 2 and 3, which we have read as well, but just as a reminder, uh, he's when they went out, he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me, Jesus says. Interesting. So just to note, there you have it. So um uh, all in all this verse does speak to it. All right, what then what the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. We're going to talk more about the others next week uh in the next few verses right, as we go. Uh so we will pause at this point and uh some Q and A, and see if there are any questions out there, any thoughts that we could um, speak to. The floor is open. Yeah, I
1: just had a thought. I can't remember what point you were making it under, um, but you were talking about um, the certain people that just happened to be born in in certain ages and uh we know that it's not just that it happened that way that god chose them uh, to be born in whatever age they were born in so in the church age we were born to be in christ in this age right and in the previous age of israel they were born to be um they were born as either uh jews or gentiles according to their heritage and um, and their calling as uh, the nation of Israel was uh, different completely, different, as you elaborated.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, You can think about a lot of people. Even if we go back to um, uh, Jesus' friends that we know were saved, they were Jewish. Martha, Mary, Lazarus, all of those, uh, you know. And if his mother, if she survived into the church, right, she would have been part of the church age. So all these people were Jewish, and they had two callings. They were part of the lineage of Israel, and yet they survived to the church age. And then God saw all of this. So really, you could say they were part of two particular callings, the Jews, Israel, and the church. And as we said, the church superseded whatever calling they had before. Now, Gentiles never even had a calling before. This is the first calling of God that includes Gentiles, which is unique in and of itself because they, we did not have a call. But
1: Well, a, well, 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 well mm-hmm. I, I would rephrase that because it wasn't the first calling of Gentiles. Abraham was Gentile.
0: well uh, yes but he was called to, 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 to to be a part of the you know the formation of the Jewish nation so but when we think of Gentiles and in fact that's what the scripture tells us when it when it talks about the Gentiles in chapter two it says you were formerly Gentiles by birth and so forth and Remember at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in the Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. So Gentiles did not have a calling, and uh the Jews did, and their job was supposed well of course the Gentiles were were supposed to be the recipients. That was the mission field for the Jews. And yet so not that they didn't have any plan whatsoever or any hope for salvation, but in terms of them being servants of God in this world, them for them to be have a role in God's eternal purpose, Gentiles did not have a plan. And yet, they did in the church. So just we, we, we talked about that a little bit at some point, but I'm sure it is coming up some more yeah you're right Abraham was the first Hebrew he was a Gentile and it does talk about him straddling uh, both where it talks about when he was saved was it before he was circumcised or after it was before so your point is, is also uh, taken uh, as well Other thoughts out there, or, uh, Dwight, follow-up?
1: No particular follow-up with with that one. Um, I I think this this verse and and the message about this verse really goes to show the contrast between... um, you know, not having the calling of the church and having the calling of the church. Whether you're coming from a Jewish background or Gentile background, it's a sharp contrast.
0: It is very sharp, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> very sharp. Illustrated in the more than any two-edged sword, right? <laughs> yeah, and illustrated by the Apostle Paul, right? If we could use him as a good illustration of being a Pharisee in and uh, an unbelieving Jew coming into the church he certainly would understand what the mindset of uh, a Jewish thinking would be so we have a perfect illustration here um, uh, orchestrated by God the Holy Spirit so good points other thoughts or shall we close and I give you guys back the rest of your time Alright, we're going to close then. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. As we have come to some understanding on uh, the verse before us, verse 7, we thank you for your guidance and your, your direction as we look at this verse, we are hopefully ushered into the greater thought of the context and understanding of what's being said here. We pray for wisdom as we proceed in um, this chapter 11, Romans 11 now. We thank you for all that you've given us in the previous chapters. Thank you for those who are here listening. And Father, we continue uh, as we labor in these verses to understand your truth. Uh, we, We thank you again, Father, for all that this church has meant to us those of us who are able to take time and to discuss these things as much as our minds can uh, imagine. We also pray for those, again, who are sick among us, Father. You know what's on our hearts. All of this we ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen.